Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is director Simon West, and we're talking about his brand new film, Skyfire. Welcome to the show, Simon. Thanks, Jan. It's great to be with you. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Wow, what a ride this movie is. I call this a popcorn movie. You need a lot of popcorn to get through it. Yes, yes, that was my intention. I hope you were, like, tense and excited and all those things all at once, and uh, as you said, like eating buckets of popcorn as you do it. Exactly. It did. <laughs> it, it is a ride. It is a ride. Tell the audience a little bit uh, about what Skyfire, um, a, a brief synopsis of what Skyfire is all about. Well, it's really the story of a young uh, female volcanologist, an expert on volcanoes, and she's a young scientist. And she, she had a traumatic experience uh, as a child, as a, as a nine-year-old, because uh, her, her mother was also a volcanologist and her father and um, they were on an island uh, doing some research, and the volcano erupted. And unfortunately, there was a, uh, she lost her mother. And so ever since then, she's had this um, drive to really to sort of understand volcanoes and to try and predict the, the eruptions and to stop this happening to anyone else, That what happened to her. So really, the main part of the story is about her on this uh, island with this volcano that killed her mother years ago and um, she's trying to monitor it and she's invented this incredible machine that has sensors in all over the island in this uh, tropical paradise and this sort of sleeping giant of a volcano um, and then this this other main character who's played by um, uh, Jason oh, Isaacs Jason <laughs> Isaacs yes it's all right <laughs> I like him a lot, by the way. Yeah. So I, no, Jason would kill me for that. It's because we're very good friends and um, we go back a long way. But um, I hate he, that when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but he, anyway, he's a dreamer and he's a bit of an Elon Musk. You know, he wants to build things and invent things. And But, you know, it's always, uh, as I said, it's a bit of a dreamer. And uh, he wants to build, or he just, and actually does build a resort for tourists on this island. And he has some scientists that tell him it's safe. And um, our heroine, our, our lead um, scientist, uh, is warning him that it's, it, it isn't safe. And she's, she knows from first-hand experience. Anyway, he ignores her and goes ahead and opens this resort on the island. And, of course, um, everything goes wrong. And um, the, most, of the, uh, most of the story is a sort of, a, is a, sort of a, a roller coaster ride, literally, to get down this mountain and try and save as many people as possible, tourists and also um, our group of scientists who are at the centre of it, and but all, all this spectacle that's going on is also intertwined with um, the young woman scientist trying to um, regain her relationship with her father, who has she's been estranged from since since the accident. So it's a it's got a very you know tight knit emotional story in in the middle of it with a, between a father and a daughter, and then. Um, Behind that is this unbelievably big, spectacular um, event of a volcanic eruption, and um, and it's a you know it's a disaster movie in that sense, I suppose. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Visually, it's it's spectacular. Obviously, I mean, you've got you know so many things going on, but you've also got you know you've got the father daughter relationship, and and you've got a young couple that you know are 
you know, who a love story. You've got, you know, you've just got all these wonderful other little stories that are going on. So it makes you care about them. And even Jason Isaac's character, who so often, I mean, he, he's so good at playing um, evil people. Um, but in this film, you know, even though he doesn't listen to what this young scientist is telling him, he's not an evil person. You know, he's not a bad person. And I, and I was happy that, you know, you didn't put him into this role as being a, a, a bad person. And even at the end, you know, there's, there's redemption there too, but it was, um, so uh, you are the, the master of these kinds of films. <laughs> you have, yeah, I mean, you have, you really, I mean, you've worked with, I mean, we can go, we're going to go on and talk about your career, but you know, you worked on Con Air with Nicolas Cage, which I absolutely love that movie. And the general's daughter with John Travolta and uh, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. So you are very, you know, this is like an, a genre that um, you're very familiar with doing this, but this film is even more action than those movies. So how was the filming of this um, with so much going on and so many visual effects? Um, what was that like for you it, filming this? Cause it's a little, as I said, different than some of the other movies you've made. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it is sort of nonstop um, action adventure and that's really what attracted me to it because since I read the script, which was, as usual, is quite a bit smaller than when I ended up um, doing with it in the end. I tend to sort of make these things bigger than they, they start out. But it was a big canvas that I could, um, you know, play on. And, and, and so I sort of jumped at the chance because it enables me to be inventive and, and play in that sandbox. And so when the original script says something like, you know, they drive down the mountain in a four by four, you know, I immediately go, well, that's not really good enough, you know, for, for the audience anymore. <laughs> so I start inventing things like, well, yes, okay, well, some of them are coming down in form by four, but let's let's have monorails. Let's have mm-hmm. the event or another way for all the tourists to get up and down the mountain that, that might be fun for me to think up reasons that, you know, things that go wrong. So, and then, of course, I double it. I have two monorails because <laughs> one's got to crash and the other one's got to save that. And then... I spend, you know, weeks and months beforehand thinking of all the things that could go wrong with you're coming down a mountain on a monorail. And that's the fun part is just thinking, what can go wrong? How can our heroes fix it? How can whatever they fix go wrong again? And it's a great um, sort of puzzle for me to work on, on these action scenes. And um, this particular story, you know, had so much potential for, for that. That's why I sort of jumped on it. And um, something that takes me, you know, three, four months to work on and storyboard and plan and talk to the effects people and some people ultimately ends up in a 90 second action sequence. But it's, you know, it's, it's the most fun part of the, of the job. I think it is creating that fantasy action and then seeing it, you know, months later, you know, up there on the screen that, you know, exactly what was going on in your head really. Yes. It, it, I- I can only imagine, you know, it's a shame that this is not being released. I mean, maybe it is in some of the movie theaters, because this is the type of film. I mean, I'm a big advocate of movies need to be seen in the movie theaters, but this kind of film in particular, you know, um, should be seen on a big screen if possible. Yeah, it was definitely made for that. And and it was actually um, released in China um, previous um, to its release in the West. And it did, um, had a huge 20,000 screen release in China. So it did have its moment there. And unfortunately, the present circumstances, it's had to be mainly released 
um, you know, streaming, but it, you know, it, it definitely was designed to be on a, if not a big screen, then at least a big TV. Right, right. And I think during the pandemic, a lot of people um, invested money in big screens. I know I did. <laughs> I got to run as big a screen yeah, as yeah. I can fit on my wall, I think, <laughs> because I, this is my life watching movies. And, uh, but I still miss the theater experience and wow. hopefully we'll have that back again. And I hope people don't, uh, stop going to movies um because it's it's just very important that we see these movies actually it'll be a boom because people are so fed up of being locked up i think once it's safe to go out there'll be a stampede to go to the movie i i hope so i think you're right i i I do hope so so this was a this was a chinese film co-production so talk a little bit about that is this the first time you've worked um on a on a production that was a, yeah, a on a full-blown, a full-blown movie, yes. I, did, I, I have shot in China uh, for, lim- for a couple of weeks, limited amount of work before, but not a whole movie. And, but, I, but when I got the script, it was, I didn't realize or I, at that time that it was um, you know, a Chinese-affiliated um, film. I mean, the script was in English. It, it looks and sounds and smells like a Hollywood blockbuster. So yes, there was nothing- yes. Nothing to t- show me that it was a Chinese film. It was only when I got into it, they said, oh, actually, we're, you know, we, we'd love to make uh, a couple of different versions, one that's very um, uh, Chinese-centric and one that's, you know can be released around the rest of the world. So this sort of presented a challenge for me because I mixed the languages up in it, and a, and a lot of it um, was Chinese. So although you know, I have an English script, so I know what everyone's saying, a lot of the scenes are shot in Chinese, and Luckily, the the actors I used were bilingual, so I could direct and talk to the actors in in English. But when we actually uh, shot the scenes, um, a lot of them were shot in Chinese, and you know that was I thought would be a problem to start with. But actually, after a while, you realise that um, you know emotion and humour and timing and all those things sort of translate, even if you don't understand every single word. You know, I obviously know what they're saying because I have the English version of the script. But even in an emotional scene, I can tell if it's working or not when the actors are really delivering that emotion that I'm looking for. So it actually wasn't as daunting as I thought. And um, in the end, um, especially an action-adventure film, you know, there's there's so much else going on that um, it actually ended up not being an issue at all. No, you know, it, it really w- wasn't. It isn't, uh, you know, in, in watching it, you know, even so just to give you a perspective on the other side, because I know when we're really close to our projects, sometimes we, you know, we can't see what everybody else is seeing, but it was not, um, you know, I mean, I thought that was kind of interesting and intriguing, actually, uh, as part of it. Where did you film this? It was shot in Malaysia and uh, and uh, on an island off Malaysia called Langkawi. And I've so been we, there. I've been there. I've, I have spent time in Langkawi, yes. You know how beautiful it is. and uh, oh, Gorgeous, yes. And, uh, luckily, it doesn't really have a volcano on it. Um, no. So we've recreated that. And, um, but it does have incredible heat and humidity. And um, we were in the jungles, you know, in, surrounded by snakes and bugs and God knows what else. <laughs> so um, it wasn't one of those um, CGI green screen films that's shot on a nice air-conditioned studio it was actually shot out on location. And so my actors sort of had to go through a lot of the real things. I try and do as much in camera as possible with real flame and real explosions. And they've got wind and dust and ash blowing everywhere. 
you know, they're on the back of boats, they're in vehicles coming down mountains. So um, that, to me, is what helps with the realism. And so I, I try to only rely on CGI for things that absolutely are impossible or just too dangerous. So obviously a volcano is not something I want to really set off. So um, <laughs> that part, I, you know, I rely on, on CG help, but always mixing it with real um, events and real action in the foreground so that the audience finds it hard to see where the joint is really. You know that I, I'm glad you said that because um, y- you do look for it. We're so used to seeing everything on CGI and our eyes are become more accustomed to it. But uh, this one, you know, I couldn't, I mean, obviously some scenes, yes, for sure, but others I couldn't. So you, you used echo friendly um, ash. Tell me about that because there's a lot of ash in this film. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had tons and tons of truckloads of ash and we had to, to make it sort of um, eco-friendly. We actually had to import it um, all the way from England. And um, so it came on, uh, in these great bales and basically it shredded paper, very fine shredded paper, which would dissolve away. But um, it looks exactly like ash and um, it did the trick. You can blow it in the air. We laid it all over the floor and then um, afterwards, you know, it, it, dissolves away and is eco-friendly but it 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 was a major part of the film was the ash i mean there were mm-hmm. there was uh, it was everywhere would get in your hair and your clothes everywhere blowing in people's eyes and so um but you know to, to get the authenticity everybody did have to you know suffer a bit i'm afraid <laughs> and, and was there a company in england that you know this is what they do they create well, they normally, eco, they, eco-friendly they normally do snow and so oh um, basically it was the same stuff as their eco snow but just um uh tinted gray so um okay very very similar but yeah it's they specialize in uh, in that sort of thing amazing so and and there's a lot of explosives in this film so talk talk a little bit about that and working with the explosives because i I was you know you get concerned when you read that this is you know these were real explosives that were going on around these actors so what was that like and how did you was that a difficult to do that yeah i mean i have a lot of experience of that and normally you know the the those sort of things are, are usually based around sort of human scale events so whether it's a car or a train or an airplane or something like that. But when you've got a volcano, obviously this is a gigantic event. And so I really had to sort of amp up the level and the volume. And actually, um, we were out there for quite a few months in the jungle. And after two weeks, we actually ran out of explosives. And But, but luckily, um, we discovered that there was a, a, another film company shooting from England, actually, um, on the other side of the jungle. So we actually went across to them and we, um, we actually, they weren't using some of their equipment and, and uh, we actually bought, bought their um, explosions off them because we were, we ran out so much because ours was so big. So uh, hopefully I hope their production doesn't look too uh, wimpy, but um, we certainly got most of their stuff as well as ours. <laughs> that was wild. Do you want to say what movie that was or not? Well, it's, actually, it's, a, it's a TV series called Strike Back. It's a British TV series. It's oh. uh, action-based. It, it plays in America, but um, they were very kind to us and they uh, helped us out because, you know, this literally we, I've got 500 people standing there in the jungle waiting for a big action sequence and you run out of explosives. You've got to find them somewhere. So. <laughs> well, wasn't that lucky? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there was a, no, that you didn't have to have them shipped in. Also, there's some um, really amazing underwater scenes. So what was that like, filming underwater for this? 
Well, that was that was great. I mean, one of the things when I'm doing my research is on on the volcanoes. I have to think up all the different things a volcano does. The you know a real volcano, so I can uh, put them into the story. And and um, you know, there's all sorts of different features to a volcano. We all know about the lava, and um, and then I learned about pyroclastic flows, which are basically ash clouds that travel at 400 miles an hour and melt anything wow. in the path. And then also the, the effect of when a volcano happens underwater or the lava hits the water is very interesting. It produces incredibly poisonous gas. And you also get, um, you know, it obviously turns to rock instantly and cracks and you get this incredible sound underwater. So I knew I thought I've got to have some underwater sequence in it. And uh, so I tied it in with one of actually one of the, the young romantic couples in the in the film. And so I end up shooting it. To start with, more as a sort of a beautiful romantic scene underwater that, uh, that mm-hmm. sort of goes horribly wrong when the volcano starts to erupt. But also, I, and I again, one of these sequences I'd planned for months ahead, and and I um, had cast um, uh, all the actors for their acting ability, really, and and never thought really to check uh, too much about uh, anything else. And so when uh, the the actress turned up to play uh, this underwater scene, she told me she couldn't swim. And, oh dear! Uh, and I planned sort of a couple of weeks of filming underwater, so we quickly had to teach her to swim. And she she was oh, amazing. Wow. Over 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 a, a week, she learned to swim, and then basically spent two weeks underwater, not just swimming, but uh, learning to use um, scuba gear and things like that. And um, in the end, you know, it was uh, it was well worth it. And she was so brave and hardworking. So um, I'm really you know. A, I'm pleased with that scene and proud of it. And I'm very appreciative that she didn't just run and run for the hills when she <laughs> realized she was going to be underwater. Well, it's a beautiful scene and it's, you know, and it's, it, it is, it's very romantic. And again, sort of amazing. Here she is in this flowing kind of chiffon dress through all, this, you know, running around through all of this ash and everything. I was like, Oh my goodness. That would be the last thing you'd want to wear. No. Well, you never, you're never, re- you're never usually wearing the right outfit for a, Volcanic eruptions. So, <laughs> Gee, what do you wear? <laughs> you, know, you never know. You never know what you're going to be caught with. But, uh, exactly, exactly. What was the hardest part of filming this for you, Simon? Um, you know, I think it's the conditions, really, because we were, I did definitely decided, you know, not to do it on a green screen. I, I later found out the producer said, oh, we originally planned to do this whole thing on a soundstage against green screen. And, um, and I and I'd sort of you know immediately when I read the script started planning how to shoot it for real and as much as possible and so it was the conditions really trying to do those things in real jungles and real water and um, you know in, in the middle of a incredibly hot jungle you know in between ten a.m. and four p.m. in the afternoon it you can barely move you know and you go to these places on your vacation or holiday and it's lovely you're sitting on the beach mm-hmm. you and you get hot you jump in the pool or the sea. And someone's bringing you a drink. It's all very relaxed. But when you're actually doing physical <laughs> hard work in the jungle without a swimming pool in sight, it's not quite the same. And um, so, you know, you're coming home every night, showering all the ash off you. And uh, that. so I, I, it was the conditions, really. But um, as I said, I, I would always plump for trying to do as much in front of camera because it's not just what it looks like. It's how the actors behave. They, they, they just definitely, when they're feeling the heat, and they're feeling this sort of um, tiredness and anguish, and you know, and they look, do look, a, you know, a little bit nervous, and it all adds to the realism to me. So, 
um, it's it's definitely worth it. Yes, it, it. Yeah, I can imagine it would be after that. Yeah, you're right. That's the way you described my vacation: was sitting at the <laughs> pool, having a pina colada. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> in there, so um, let's talk a little bit about your your. I mean, this movie. Where can people see this movie? Where can people see Skyfire? Um, I think mo- most of the streaming platforms. Um, if you just Google Skyfire, it'll pop up. But I think you know, it's not like Amazon and um, platforms like that. So it's it's easy to find on the streaming platforms. Um, I mean, there is a limit. There is a limited theatrical release in the states as well um, that is out at the moment. Um, but uh, it's definitely easy to find on all the platforms of you. Just uh, well, I, easy, good, good. I, I mean, I recommend everybody look for Skyfire if you're looking for some action-packed movie that kind of take your mind off of everything that's going on uh, and pop a big bowl of popcorn because it is def- definitely a popcorn movie. So we'll, we'll definitely go look for Skyfire. Let's talk a little. You, you, the films you've done, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Con Air and Laura Croft and The General's Daughter – you know, they, they all grossed over a hundred million dollars at the box office. And then you did the expendables too, which had over 300 million, uh, did over 300 million worldwide. So those, that's a pretty good resume right there, Simon. Um, (laughs) excellent resume. So tell me a little bit about what it's like working on those kinds of films. I mean, what was there, is there, do you have any juicy story about Angelina Jolie with uh, Laura Croft Tomb, Tomb Raider or, uh, you know, about the filming of that film? Because yeah, well, I, I love that movie too. Well, you know, Angelina, as I said, was not a A-list movie star at that time. She was an independent actress who'd done great award-winning small films. Um, and so it was a big risk for the studio. And it took me a lot of time to persuade them and the producers that she could do it and she was right for it. Um, but I was believed, you know, she was the ultimate choice because she had this sort of dark, mysterious edge that um, people didn't know whether it was real or not, whether it was just a a publicity thing the press had stoked up. But um, she was a very interesting, complicated young woman. And, and, but because it was so rare and pretty unheard of for a female lead for an action adventure film, um, you know, that's how I persuaded her to do it by saying that this is going to be a role model for girls and women and you, you know, you must understand how rare this would be for, for this to happen. Now we've sort of, we've come around and now, you, you know, it's more common, but then it was unheard of. And so to have her leading a big, expensive um, summer blockbuster was a big deal. And, you know, and I think she realized the responsibility. And so she worked so hard. She was training. I mean, when she came for the first, you know, um, prep of the shoot, she couldn't even lift the guns up. They were so big and heavy that she had to use. So we gave her, you know, special diet. She went on exercise regimes and six or seven different things a day for six days a week. And she built herself up with strength and skills, fighting skills. And um, so she became a sort of an expert, you know, sort of a real life superhero by the end of it. She could do anything. She did all her own stunts. Um, She was fearless. I mean, too fearless sometimes. I had to sort of remind her that we kind of needed her for the rest of the shoot and she could really... (laughs) dance around on the edge of these sort of high precipices without safety lines on and things like that. But she was absolutely fearless and worked so hard. And, and um, you know, that's so I was really pleased and proud that, you know, I, I fought to uh, get her in the film. And, and then and after that, of course, she, she just took off as a, an A-lister. Yes, she did. That movie did really put her on the map, you know, and, you know, I mean, as you're right, she did a lot of little smaller films, 
uh, smaller roles and big films, actually. But that movie really did put her on the map. And, and it's, again, it's another just fun movie to, to watch. Well, Simon, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And everyone, please look for Skyfire. Uh, it's a wonderful action film. And as I said, it will take your mind off of everything that's going on right now in the world. So, Simon, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. And lovely to talk to you, Jan. You too, Simon. Thank you. You can listen to The Jam Price Show whenever and wherever, wherever you get your podcast. You can go to the iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube. You can also go to thejampriceshow.com and all my shows are archived there. And you can go like us on Facebook at The Jam Price Show. And on you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Jam Price Show. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. 